Um, last time, uh, those of you who were with us uh, remember that I started or got into Proverbs chapter 31 on the worthy woman. As I recall, I use uh, those verses, that is primarily verses 10 to verse uh, 31, um, to cover uh, a number of uh, virtues, outstanding virtues that we can see in this passage um, that belongs to this worthy woman, or I should say that uh, make this woman worthy. Um, of course, the opposite of worthiness is worthlessness, which is not a very good word when I say he is worthless. That's a very derogatory word, very serious word to say some, someone or something is worthless. You know, this, this thing is worthless. Well, that means I should throw it away. Am I right? So worthy is the opposite. It means not just it is something that you don't throw away. It is something to be treasured, something to be valued. So I hope that would be uh, uh, remembered by you, those, uh, those, uh, uh, those attributes. And I like to say again that whatever worthy attributes that we will possess as Christians. I mean genuine um, attributes. The source is should always be Christ. Meaning the real virtues that Christians possess um, um, must be the virtues of Christ, even Christ himself. So, do not try to cultivate yourself only humanly to come up with some of these virtues. I am not saying that one should not have an amount of exercise to build up something in yourself. I'm not saying that. So that you just do nothing and suddenly you become a virtuous lady. No, that, that doesn't happen. But in the principle of, uh, uh, in uh, God's economy, uh, it is always in the, uh, a matter of incarnation. That means it takes both God and man together to bring forth something. So, uh, on the one hand, um, the source of these virtues uh, must be the spirit, must be God himself. In fact, true virtues, uh, true human virtues, are the uh, expression, human expression, of the divine attributes, um, by definition. So the only way that we can possess these virtues is that we must love the Lord. We must contact the Lord, and we must eat the Lord, uh, we must have the Lord um, by pursuing him, by um, being filled with him. Then 
spontaneously in our lives, Christ is lived out. And that living out of Christ uh, is, is actually the, um, the, the expression of, of all these virtues. So, uh, so we must do that. However, on, the, on our side, besides enjoying Christ and uh, uh, seeking him and so on, um, we also need, sisters as brothers as well, we still need to cooperate with the Lord uh, to aspire to build up ourselves with these virtues. Um, I can tell you that uh, as, a, as a Christian myself, and especially as a serving one, um, I learned uh, from Brother Lee, Witness Lee, to always build up myself. But not in a Christless way, right? Not in a godless way. Um, we exercise ourselves, in Timothy says, unto godliness. So all our spiritual exercise or the exercise of our spirit to touch the Lord, to enjoy the Lord, and so on, has an end, has a goal. And that goal is called godliness. And godliness simply means God-likeness. That means God-expressed. So our, uh, um, there should be on our side an amount of deliberate exercise, deliberate exercise in our daily life to live God out. Although the source is God, it's not our human effort, but it takes the human cooperation um, uh, for, for even God to be lived out. So um, I just like to say this again. So sisters, don't uh, have this uh, uh, miraculous idea or superstitious thought that if you kind of stay in the church life, then you become godly, you know. Or you just kind of hang around, and then you, you become a worthy woman. Uh, it doesn't happen that way. The church life is the, a wonderful environment where this can take place because this is the place where we pursue the Lord together and, and so forth. But even within the context of the church life, one must have a burden, have a particular burden for oneself uh, to build up oneself uh, to become uh, such a valuable person in the church life, useful person in the church life uh, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, last time after I finished that sharing, on my way home I said, I've been debating whether I should take a step further with this passage. By that I mean, should I uh, get into the realm of interpreting? Interpret. Why? Because if you recall, this passage is full of metaphors. Okay, firstly, it's Proverbs, so it's not strictly prose. It is kind of semi-poetic, all right? 
It's, it's written in that way. So in poetry, you tend to have a lot of metaphoric utterances. And so this is the case here. Uh, it's just pictures. It's pictures of, of a woman in a household. And through those uh, the description, metaphoric description of this woman, you, you, uh, you see how, uh, how she is worthy. And we didn't get into that. I got into just the virtues, these virtues. Um, so um, after some time of consideration, I feel I should take the plunge, uh, uh, give it a shot. So uh, today, this afternoon, I'm going to stay with Proverbs 31 to get into the interpretation of some of these key metaphors. Um, uh, it is my hope that through this interpretation, not for um, its own sake, uh, but through this interpretation, we can see something a little bit more in detail, uh, a little bit more finer way uh, how uh, this worthy woman is constituted. All right. As I uh, got into these things with the help of some of my helpers in the ministry, uh, I, I became more confirmed that this is a risk worth taking. This is a step worth taking. All right. Now, um, so today there will be an amount of interpretation, uh, but I like all those interpretation to translate into application uh, in your life. I'd like to read this passage again, just for our, um, because you may not have the Old Testament with you. I actually hope that you would, on your own, get into this passage with the help of some of the speaking. So Proverbs 31, verse 10 through 31. Who can find a worthy woman? For her price is far above above corals. So I'm going to say something about corals. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Verse 12, she does not, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. 13, she seeks wool and flax. I'm going to talk about wool and flax. And delights to work with her hands. I'm going to talk about working with one's hands. Verse 14, she is like the merchant ships. I like to talk about the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. Verse 15, she rises also while it is still night. I like to say a few words about that. And gives food to her household. I like to say something about that and their task to her serving girls. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. I like to say something about planting a vineyard. Verse 17, she girds her loins with strength and makes strong her arms. Verse 18, she samples her merchandise to be sure it is good. Her lamb does not go out by night. 
going to say something about that. Verse 19, she lays her hand on the distaff and her hands hold on to the spindle. She stretches out her hand to the afflicted and she reaches out her hands to the needy. Those are probably a little bit more easy to understand, a little bit more direct and straightforward. 21, she does not fear for her household when it snows, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. Let me say something about that. Verse 22, she makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Let me say something about that. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. I'm going to say something about husbands. And through that, to say something about the woman. 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and delivers girdles to the merchant. 25, strength and dignity are her clothing and she happily looks forward to the time to come. 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom. Can I say something about that? And the law of kindness is on her tongue. 27, she watches closely over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. 28, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, verse 29, Many daughters have done worthily, but you surpass them all. 30, grace is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears Jehovah, she will be praised. I will say something about fearing. Uh, then verse, uh, the last verse, 31. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So the first thing is uh, in this description of this worthy woman says her prize is about corals. Corals. Now it's a little bit hard to find uh, in the ministry <laughs> Uh, that much speaking about corals. Um, but still, I would like to uh, say something. Um, this matter of um, corals, actually corals, is uh, um, uh, to talk about this, uh, I need to uh, go back to an earlier utterance in the book of Proverbs. Um, uh, to help us to interpret this. So, uh, in chapter 3, and uh, chapter 8, you can go check chapter 3, verse 13 through 18, and chapter 8, verse 11. It says this in Proverbs, Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, for her profit, her profit meaning wisdom, her is wisdom, her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her income is better than gold. She, wisdom, is more precious than corals. So this is not the first time coral is mentioned in chapter 31. It's earlier in the book of Proverbs. And nothing we desire compares with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life, so you're talking about wisdom, 
to those who lay hold of her, and happy are those who hold her fast. Now, uh, what I want to uh, uh, kind of link up here to make some connection here is what makes this woman precious or valuable, indeed far more valuable than corals. According to these earlier verses, is that this woman seeks wisdom. Or this woman, this worthy woman, possesses wisdom. She's a wise woman. Now, wisdom is not smarts. Okay? Wisdom is not high IQ. Uh, wisdom is not shrewdness. Wisdom is something deeper. Of course, in the New Testament, wisdom, true wisdom, is Christ. Smarts are in the mind. Okay, you can be very smart, very shrewd in your mind, but you can be downright foolish and unwise. I may not be so smart and so quick, but I have wisdom. So Brother Lee would say wisdom is something in the spirit, something from God, true wisdom. And of course, wisdom also comes from experience, right? You, over time, you get older, you get wiser, because you learn from mistakes, from this and that. You, 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 you gain some wisdom. Okay. Now, the important thing here um, is, of course, Proverbs is a very much a book on wisdom. And so, at the end, you find a worthy woman, a lady, who is uh, valuable, very valuable to her husband, to the household, to her children, all right, because she is wise because she values wisdom. She seeks wisdom. And that makes her precious. Sisters, I would like to say this to you all. Uh, You need to be wise. You, you know, I know, Females are exceedingly manipulative. They're just manipulative by nature. That means they're smart. They can, you know, do this or manipulate you. They can manipulate situations. Many are master manipulator of their husbands. And the husband didn't even know it. They got... They are just a puppet, you know. They, they don't even know it, but they're totally manipulated by the woman. So I'm not talking about that. That is not wisdom. We're talking about the kind of wisdom that is described in the book of Proverbs. The genuine wisdom, the source of which is really God. Only God is wise. And so... Um, I cannot 
tell you exactly what is wisdom, but I can only tell you uh, it is something deeper. It is something far weightier. It is something more long-lasting. Um, uh, you know, what did uh, Paul says uh, to Timothy? From a babe you know the scriptures, which is able to make you wise unto salvation. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. And clearly in that verse, it is um, it tells us that that wisdom comes from the scriptures, come from the word. Actually, I like to tell you, sisters, if you don't know the word, you have no wisdom. Sisters, it's better not to watch so many things and read so many other things. I would like to encourage you to spend more time in the word of God. Yourself and in your family, and I would say even with your children. Bring in an atmosphere of the word in your home, in your, into your marriage, and in your own life. Busy as you may be, you have kids, you, you work, I don't care. You will never leave the word of God because that's where wisdom lies, real wisdom lies. I said already, I've met some sisters, they're really incredibly smart. I mean, really, really, really smart. Uh, they can finish your sentence, you know. They, 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 you say one thing, they can think of three things. And uh, um, they know how to manage this and manage that. They, they're really smart. They, but when I look at them and listen to them, talk to them, there's no wisdom there. There's no wisdom there. They make bad judgments. They make poor judgments. So there's a lot of smart people making terrible judgments as far as their life is concerned. They're making tons of money, but they are a fool in the whole scheme of things. They're, they are sowing seeds that one day they will regret. Yeah. Yeah. You may even make some decision concerning your children that one day you'll regret because it's not wise. It's smart, but it's not wise. Wisdom, sisters. Something deeper. Something more honorable. Something... Something that will even bring life to you. It says she is a tree of life. Wisdom by those who lay hold of her. So don't go after the fleeting, the superficial, the, uh, you know what I mean. Um, seek the wisdom. And in Christ is the what? the treasures of all wisdom, and is that the, the, what it says in Colossians? Uh, I would uh, particularly, particularly say 
Dear sisters, read the word and get to know God's word and treasure the word of God. Pray, read the word. The ministry, it will make you wise. Really. You say, well, this is all spiritual stuff. How will it impact my human life? Let me tell you, absolutely. Absolutely. The spiritual things in the Bible can make you wise even in the way you live, in the way you make decisions. Now, coral is a gem, you know, like like uh, precious stones. Except that it's very unusual because it is not formed by minerals. Most most uh, gems are from minerals, right? Coral uh, is from the sea, kind of like pearl. Except pearl is mineral. But coral actually is living organisms. Living organisms that through some kind of a process, um, you know, in these ocean waters, um, tropical ocean waters, whatever, and they in time become some kind of gemstones. Now, we all know how brotherly interpret pearl, right? It's a little sand that's the sinners, right? They got into the uh, oyster, which is Christ, and irritated the oyster, and the oyster secretes something, and over time it becomes a pearl, right? And pearl eventually become the gate of the New Jerusalem, uh, and the uh, delium, you know, in Genesis... Uh, is a kind of pearl, except that pearls are secretion, I think, from a plant or something like that. I'm not very clear. But um, um, I don't have much to say about this. I'm not going to interpret what, what, you know, how how, uh, corals become gems, except to say that... um, Uh, it's a precious stone. It's a precious stone that came through a process of some kind of transformation to become a gemstone. And in this case, it is from living organisms. That means it's something organic to start with. So, may I say this, um, and that is to become a worthy one, a worthy woman, to become a wise sister or lady. It really is not just something from birth. It is through a process. A process of transformation. A process of change. Um organically. So once again, once again, just as I said earlier, uh, um, that, you know, our virtues is not something that we manufacture, but it is really the inworking of Christ into us 
to become those virtues. Same thing here. Um, we're not born gems. We're not born corals. Some sister, you sit here, you may say, forget about it. I'm not, I don't have the coral gene in me, you know. That sister, she will be a coral, but never me. I'm, I'm just whatever, just a piece of stone or whatever. Well, I have good news for you. Good news. That it doesn't, is not a matter of your birth. It's a matter of first regeneration and two transformation. It is through transformation that we become worthy. It is through transformation that we become valuable. It is through transformation that we become priceless in God's eyes and in the household of God. I hope that you would seek that to be transformed. So we don't talk about transformation in a vacuum. We talk about transformation in the context of God's household here. And so... Um, I hope, sisters, you you would now see how transformation is necessary to become a true worthy woman uh, in in the church. Okay. Mm. I like to say this, that uh, I long, I should say, I long to see in the church life more and more precious and valuable sisters. Not just good sisters, you know, good, whatever, but precious, dear, worthy, and valuable. So that their presence makes a difference. I think Watchman Nee, uh, I think Watchman Nee once said that. I think, I think, Brother Lee, he said that value is shown so that when that person is absent, everyone feels it. Everyone feels it. If you're not valuable, if you're not here, no one feels it. <laughs> because you're not that important, you know, you're not that valuable. But when a valuable person departs or is absent, we all feel the loss. We all feel the loss. You don't need to say it. Uh, I, I last time I mentioned who is that lady uh, who makes uh, clothes uh, uh, for the women? Uh, Dorcas, thank you, Dorcas. Uh, when he she died, um, and then they sent for Peter to come, right? And, and Peter resurrected her, raised her up. Uh, all the ladies, all the people were standing around holding 
what she made for them. Now, I'm not sure when I died that will happen because I made nothing for nobody. <laughs> but this sister, I believe it's not just whatever she made physically. I believe there's a lot of heart, a lot of compassion, a lot of care, a lot of ministering of Christ there. I believe so. That so that her death is felt. Her, her death had an impact on the saints, the way she lived. Sisters, aspire to that. Aspire. This is not to be some Madame Guillon or be some spiritual woman, you know, highly esteemed or whatever. It is not in that kind of a way. I believe when, if Phoebe, you know Phoebe in, uh, in uh, Romans 16, I think if Phoebe is not there, I think Paul will be the first one who feels it. Paul is the first one who feels it. Because of this whole chapter of uh, mentioning names, of greetings to the saints, number one is this woman, this worthy woman called Phoebe. It says she was a patroness to the saints. Honor her uh, in, a, in a worthy kind of a way um, when she is with you in Rome, right? Um, uh, how she cared for the, uh, the saints, hospi- hospitable and, and, and distributing to the needs of the saints. Such a deaconess, such a deaconess uh, is... This coral, this valuable woman. Um, and of course, eventually, any kind of gemstone in the Bible uh, is what? Implies the building of God. So we are never to become a gemstone for display, for the museum, for for the jewelry store. We are valuable for the building and for the building only. So here I would also say, sisters, don't speak false spirituality. This happened among us back in the 70s when certain sisters among us formed, I would say, a club, a spiritual club, quite exclusive. And they spread the chapters of that club all over the recovery. They did. And so causing certain even young sisters to be drawn into that kind of thing. What is that kind of thing? That kind of thing are sisters who think that I am more spiritual than you. So it's an exclusive little club of spiritual women. And those who are not part of that feel left out. I'm not making this up, okay? This is for real. And many sisters feel left out. And only these ones are the spiritual uh, sisters. Please forget about that. Don't form clubs, please, okay? And, and, and don't, 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 don't spread chapters, okay? Don't, don't do that. No. To be worthy woman is not for our prominence, spiritual prominence. It's not for us to be on display. We could be very hidden, most hidden, most unknown. 
But that spiritual value is there. And that value is for the building up of the church, the body of Christ. I know that there are certain some sisters who are like that. And you go to them, talk to them. They don't they couldn't give a, even give a good prophecy on Lord's Day. But they can just say a few words to you, to a young sister, full of wisdom. From the word, from the Lord, from their spiritual experience, from their experience of transformation. Something that ministers something to this young sister. They are not marriage counselors. You know, some young sisters go to them for marital, you know, situation. They, they're not counselors. They're not psychiatrists. They're not therapists. Not in that way. But they just have a certain amount of wisdom to help this young sister through a certain situation. We need more of this kind in the church life. All right, let's go on. then we come to the point about uh, what is it she seeks wool and flax see these are the details let's find out what just how this woman is what what makes her worth worthy okay Uh, first of all she seeks uh, wool you know uh, the Lord, huh? You know, the Lord has hair like white wool in Genesis, uh, in the Revelation. Um, you know, white wool as snow. And uh, uh, according to um, Isaiah, you know, um, in 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 the uh, speaking of the ministry, um, that wool, that wool. Um, comes from sheep. I think I'm right, right? Wool comes from sheep. And so, wool, uh, uh, we quote the ministry, issues from the nature of life. It's something um, and in the case of Christ, in the case of Christ, um, in Revelation 1, um, and also in Daniel, it talk, this white hair of Christ refers to his ancientness. His ancientness. Out of his nature. That's not because Christ is aging. You know? It's not Christ is dying. No. It is Christ is ancient. This is nature. Uh, he's not getting old. In fact, if anything... He is ancient, meaning he's ever fresh, ever new. He never gets old. That's why he's ancient. And so that is the source of this woo that uh, she she uh, uh, she seeks. And uh, in another place, uh, in, in Isaiah, it says what it says. You know, you remember that famous uh, ver- verse. Though your sins are like scarlet, right? They'll be white as snow. And then though they are red as crimson, they will be like wool. 
Remember that? So both snow are wool are white. That's why there's the contrast here. And so both of these elements are, are naturally white. But there's a difference. Um, what is the difference? Okay. The whiteness of uh, the snow uh, refers to a kind of uh, initial washing. Initial washing by God. Um, whereas the wool, the whiteness of the wool, is the result of a metabolic washing of life. We are both cleansed by the blood of Jesus to make us white. But we are also further washed by the Spirit to have his nature. You follow me? To be white. So it is not only whiteness or, or, or undefilement in our outward nature or active action merely, but an inward washing in us that produce a kind of whiteness or holiness by life. So I don't know whether you're following me. I hope <laughs> Sunday afternoon interpreting the Bible is a difficult thing. Uh, uh, but but I, I like you to just, just remember these things. Um, seek this. You need to seek this, dear sisters. The Lord's, what? The washing, what is it? Of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. See, that is the kind of metab metabolic washing that the Lord have to do in you. Now, you say, oh, uh, why don't you give us some easier instruction how I can be a worthy woman? So just give me 10 points, okay? There's no 10 points here. I tell you, eventually, what makes the woman worthy is by this kind of way. By this kind of a way. And again, I must tell you, we have seen sisters like this in the church life. We really have. And my burden is to see more of such sisters that have this kind of spiritual value because they seek these things. They pay a price for these things, not just to be adored, but to be useful. But to be useful in the church to serve the saints. It's not just you, you, you're zealous, you're faithful, and, and then you're... No, no. There has to be something of life. Uh, doing the meta metabolic washing that brings forth the real womb. Um, Uh, flax, how about flax? Uh, flax, uh, you know, uh, the famous verse in Isaiah, a bruised reed he will not break, right? And a dimly burning flax he will not extinguish. 
this is referring to the Lord. Uh, smoking flax, he will not uh, quench. So, um, uh, all these kind of plants in the Old Testament, including in, in the including flax, uh, are types, usually types of Christ's humanity. Christ's humanity. There's all kinds of wood, you know that, right? Acacia wood and wood of Lebanon, um, a tree of Lebanon, and uh, um, um, what do you what do you call it? Cedar, right? The cedar of Lebanon. All this describe different aspects of Christ's uh, humanity, the humanity of Jesus. So flax is also uh, signifies that. And what this says, sisters, please pay attention. Okay, don't fall asleep, please. Uh, and that is the qualification of being such a worthy woman. Listen to me does not so much depend on divinity as it depends on humanity. You know, the church is not an angelic community. We're all angels here, right? We're all humans here. The church is a place of human beings. And human beings, they don't need... uh, 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 angelic, you know, help. They need human help. So the Lord uh, Jesus is God becoming man, and he was a man for 33 and a half years, and today even he's still a man on the throne. Only as a man, living as a man with this highest morality, highest humanity, that he could serve us as the servant of God. Today, Christ's qualification in serving us is because he was a man. If Christ never, God never become a man, God actually cannot serve us. So similarly, sisters, you cannot serve the saints if, if you don't, if you're not possessed of certain humanity. And by that I mean to be Jesusly human. You know, I've been serving the Lord for many years and interacting with saints and dealing with many, many, many countless kind of uh, cases and situations. I found, of course, we need prayer, we need God's grace, we need God's mercy, all those kind of things. But I find in almost most, if not all of the cases, there is a human need. There's a human flaw. There's a human problem. There's a human weakness. You follow me? And so the need is not just, oh, go pray, read two verses, or, uh, you know what I mean? That, that doesn't solve the problem. Or, or we can maybe temporarily uh, give some relief. But long term, this brother or this sister, there's a deep uh, lacking on a part of the humanity. You know, marriage is a human thing. You know, marriage is totally human. Family life is human. Actually, the church life is very human. And if you, a sister, you're not human, you're angelic. You're very angelic. You you can quote verses left and right. But 
you you are, you don't have the humanity of Jesus. You you cannot you cannot serve the saints adequately because you're lacking in that qualification. And in this case of the flax, it says it's used for burning, you know, giving light. That's the smoking flax. That's when they travel, they light it with oil, whatever it is. It, when it's smoking, that means it ceases to shine. It ceases to shine. And um, our, our being a being flax, our having the real humanity of the Lord actually, brothers and sisters, brings light. Brings light to the saints. I remember Brother Lee talked about some of these old missionaries, sisters in China. And so they have all these sisters that are sitting there. And this old missionary sister would just pull her skirt a little bit. And suddenly all those young missionary sisters all have short whatever, dress or whatever. She didn't say a word, she just pulled her dress a little bit. <laughs> and they all got the point. <laughs> now, now I'm not here to suggest length of dress. Uh, forget about that. My point is that that's a very human thing. Uh, she lived in a certain way. Uh, and there's a certain expression. And that, her humanity becomes a light to others. We need more sisters like this. Um, you, you, you almost don't talk that much. Or you almost don't say too much. But by virtue of your human life, your humanity, you bring some light to those around you, even to the church life. In other words, we need more patterns than anything else. We actually don't need that much teaching. We actually need more patterns. Another point, I better go on, concerning she delights to work with her hands. Well, of course, we, we know this means she's diligent and she's hardworking. Of course that. But I tell you, uh, this working with her hands. Oh, by the way, let me say this. Uh, I forgot. You know, this, uh, this uh, passage concerning the worthy woman is in the context of her household of her household, okay? It's all about her household, the way she manages her household. So, obviously, this applies to the physical household, the physical family, your household, okay? It absolutely applies to that. Uh, because even in, uh, in, uh, um, um, uh, in Timothy, Paul taught that the 
I would therefore younger widow marry, okay, marry, bear children, keep house. Keep house. This is the apostle's teaching, okay? The apostle teaching to young sisters is keep house and give no opportunity for the opposer to reproach. This very is very not spiritual. Keep house. And in Titus chapter 2, she talked to about young sisters to be of a sober mind. Very human. Pure, very human. Workers at home. How about that? Have you ever paid attention to this? Sisters, workers at home. You work domestically at home. Good. Subject to their own husbands, that the word of God would not be blasphemed. You know, Paul, when he gave these instructions to the sisters, and there's some to the brothers, but to the sisters, she was very concerned about reproach. How the world will say, what outsiders will say, what other people will say, even concerning the, that the word of God would not be blasphemed by our not doing our duty. The, the woman not doing her duty. Oh, I, I tell you, sisters, uh, I'm the old school. I, I already, I, I, I'm, I'm going to admit that I'm old school. Um, I don't, I don't uh, go along with uh, the trend or the philosophy of this age. It's not because I like or I don't like I rather adhere to the word of God. That, that's, that's all there is. Okay? That's all there is. And the teaching of the word of God is that the woman should take keep house, take care of the home, take care of the husbands, and take care of the children. I know when I say this out there, people will throw stones at me and do all kinds of things and say even use certain words to describe me. I, won't, I don't want to mention those words because I, I, I say this kind of thing. But sisters, I'm not out there. I'm here in the church life. And I'm not here to advocate a certain kind of old-style philosophy or traditional way of doing things. I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God. And... I like to say that to have a proper home, to raise up proper children for the Lord, right, is the top calling of a sister. Rather than today denigrated like what? Your homebody? Like, you're crazy. You should become the president, next president of the United States. Women should be the president of the United States. At least a cabinet secretary or the next CEO. That, that's the age. And we are peppered by this. We listen to this every day. And I'm sorry it gets into us. When you listen to it long enough. 
Now, I'm not here to uh, stifle the development of females, you know. I'm trying to uh, uh, keep you under uh, male oppression. And uh, uh, so you will be continually enslaved by us, okay. Uh, I'm not doing that, please, okay. I'm, I'm a little bit more, give me some credit. I'm a little bit more enlightened than that. But, sisters, today is way, way over the cliff. And I like to tell you, I like to counter that kind of feministic teaching and philosophy because it's gone way over, way over. I'm not trying to bring us, you all back to the Stone Age, okay? I am, I think I'm being very sober. I'm being very balanced. This is the word of God. No matter it's Roman Empire days or today, it's the word of God. I like to, I certainly, just because the whole pendulum is swung so much this way, I want to swing it back. I like to tout, tout the the esteem I have for women who takes care of their family, their children, their husbands. To me, to me, that's something sacred. To me, there's not something higher than that in a lady. Call me old school. Just call me old school. Whatever you want to do. That's what I believe. Now, um, he works with her hands. And this brings to mind Paul. Paul, you know, he said, look at these hands. You remember that? Paul said, look at these hands. What hands? Hands that make tents. Paul and uh, what's the name? Uh, Prisca and Aquila. They're all tent makers. Uh, in the old days, they, you know, they, they make, uh, they, they knit tents or, or they turn uh, fabric or canvas or whatever they have into a tent. That's Paul's job. And by doing that, he increases the value of things. Right? You know, today we call it, he adds value. Paul is adding value. Uh, in in his profession, in his profession, um, sisters, are you a value adder? The church that you're in, do you add value to that church and make that church more valuable? The service that you're serving in, is it adding value? I would even say to society, are you adding value? And that value comes from the work of one's hands. This should be our occupation. This should be our work. This should be our service. In opposition to being idle and not adding value, 
rather draining value, we add value. Um, I give you a piece of cloth, right? A week later, you came back with a tent. Whoa, <laughs> that's real value. Oh, I like more sisters like that in my church. I give her her new one. Two years later, this new one goes to the FTTA. Wow, that's value added. Do you, do you follow me? Some sisters, they don't add value, they devalue. You give them someone, two years later, that one is gone. <laughs> they lost it, or they ruined it, or they damaged it. After a while, I won't give anything to that sister because it's a lost cause. But something I give to this one, he comes back with something more valuable for God's economy, right? For God's, the Lord's need. She's like the merchant ships. Oh, I like this one. Of course, Brother Lee has speaking on this. Uh, in Genesis 49, it says, Zebulun will increase, uh, will dwell at the shore of the sea, and he will be a shore for ships. And there, Brother Lee talk about that this kind of prophecy, you know, in Genesis 49 by, by, uh, by old Jacob, by Israel, uh, concerning all his uh, uh, sons. He say, uh, this is um, a picture of the spreading of the gospel because Zebulun is part of Galilee, you know, the Sea of Galilee, and there's a whole bunch of ships there or boats or whatever. And that's the place where the Lord started his ministry of the gospel of the kingdom. So uh, the shore is a place for ships, a harbor, a seaport, and it is from there you, you send the cargoes out. Um, and so this is a picture of how the gospel of the glad tidings are, are sent out by the um, Galilean preachers, right? This is in Galilee. So um, uh, this and Brother Lee continues. I'm, I'm actually paraphrasing Brother Lee. He say the Zapulin typifies Christ as the shore of the evangelists to transport and spread the preaching of the, the gospel. Um, he even talked about how on the day of Pentecost, 120 ships were sent out, you know, that pray in the upper room. Um, they're all Galileans on that day. Uh, to spread the gospel, and today this gospel will fill the whole earth. So I would like to say something, and that is a worthy woman, a worthy sister, is one who have a burden for man, for the gospel, for others to know Christ, for others to receive God's salvation. And I'm not... Um, using this to just put burdens on you, sisters, okay? But I like to just tell you that, again, we have seen this. One such worthy woman among us 
his sister named Peace Wang, which if you read the book, uh, The Seer of the Divine Revelation, you will find. Uh, actually, Witness Lee uh, was saved through her preaching, through her preaching, and so she's older than Witness Lee. But later on, she became a co-worker of Watchman Nee and of Witness Lee as well. And she, she, her, her, she was an evangelist, and so she was very burdened for people's salvation. Um, I also know sisters like this. Um, one of whom that I always like to say, because it's very much my own experience, is my own grandmother. My own grandmother. Um, I always tell the story. He has a bad. She's a. a, a she was widowed at a, at a relatively younger age, in her forties or something like that, and uh, she became this deaconess in the church in Hong Kong, and and everywhere she goes, she has this bag. This bag, Hilbert, is nothing but tracks. Tracks, tracks. Everywhere she goes. I was with her sometimes. She would go up to the, uh, the, the, the tram, the bus, the tram. The driver gets one. The conductor gets one. The one sitting next to you gets one. And then we would go to the market, you know, the Chinese little these hawk, hawkers market you buy whatever everyone who you gets paid you also get a track and not just a track she would just say believe in Jesus <laughs> all these people will okay okay thank you <laughs> that's what she does and the Lord only knows how many people were saved through her uh, both relatives in the family and also just outsiders. Some because she's old age so they have to be deferential and they sort of fake their belief a little bit, you know, just to get rid of her, right? And some, even through that, eventually got really saved. And she prayed for souls. She prayed for uh, sinners very much. During every uh, year, her her uh, birthday, because she's sort of the matriarch in our family. We always have a uh, birthday banquet, and she would invite all the uh, family and close friends and all that. And every time, she would get a brother to preach at her birthday party. If you go to her birthday party, you get a sermon. (laughs) Uh, Whether you like it or not, you have to sit there. If you want cake, you better listen. <laughs> that's what she does. She, she has no face. She, she doesn't. That's it. She just wants everybody saved. Everyone to receive Jesus. I was saved because of her. I have no choice. Um, Her prayers just blocked me. Her prayers put walls around me that I have nowhere to go but the Lord. 
So, so, so she is Zebulun. She is、uh, she is like the merchant ships. Sisters, don't think you cannot do that. Even young sisters, I hope that while you're young in the church life, you will just be burdened for people, your your workmates, your family, your your classmates,、uh, your 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 relatives. There are too many people that you know. Be burdened for their soul, for their salvation. Seekers, be burdened for them to know the word of the truth. You can do this all the time. You you with your baby thing, right? In the park,、uh, the bag should not just be with、uh, formula, and you should have gospel tracts in there. How about a bunch of BFA、uh, things there? And then、uh, while you're at the、uh, playground at the sand lot and kids are playing, you, you chat up with this、uh, woman. Then you say something to them about the Lord. You say, "Oh, no, no, no!" You just do that.、Uh, and sisters, I tell you, this is the way a gospel spirit is brought into the church life, not just by me. You know, oh, preach the boss gospel, go preach. No, 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 no. It's from a groundswell of saints who, in their daily lives, are just burdened for people. All kinds of people that the Lord sovereignly put around you. And by the way, sisters, that preaching of the gospel is your salvation, because your problem is you are too self-absorbed, and that's why you're depressed. So the way is to lift up your eyes and look around and take care of other people. When you do that, you will you will not be depressed.、Uh, I hope I hope this will happen. Amen, sisters. Amen. The sisters are especially good for this.、Uh, you know,、uh, there's something about sisters preaching the gospel. Yeah. Okay. It says she rises. While it is still night, okay, all right.、Uh, I I won't say too much.、Uh, I would just say this: that、uh, sisters, you should also build up this habit、uh, of rising in the night. Now that doesn't mean at two o'clock, right?、Uh, what it really means is、uh, early in the morning. Early in the morning, you know the Lord. It says He often arose very early in the morning while it was still night. So that's what it means. It means early in the morning, and then He would went out to a deserted place to pray. Sisters, I am a little concerned that some of us survive only by the meetings. That's where you get food. You don't have an inner life with the Lord in a special place, in a secret place with the Lord, in a deserted place. You know, even in a desert with the Lord, you, you don't have that. 
But to, to, to do that, you have to be early with the Lord. You have to find him in a, in a, in a secluded kind of condition, right? Because this is not general food. Um, I, I have some of these uh, other verses in Song of Songs. It says, let us rise up early for the vineyards. For the vineyards. Uh, you know, to take care of the vineyard, uh, you have to rise up early. Um, uh, you know, Bradley has this footnote. He says, she, Shulamite, not, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the, the lover of the Lord, uh, she and her beloved worked diligently, not for herself, but in the churches, for other believers to bud, blossom, and bloom. So I tell you, even to get up at night, so to speak, is to what? Is to take care of others' business, such as to pray for them. Such as to pray for them. You know, in the church meetings, generally in our prayer meetings, we often don't pray for names unless someone is seriously ill or some, something like that. But actually, the proper petition should be with names because Paul says in remembrance. He always, in remembrance with thanksgiving of the saints. Paul pray in the way of naming names. I submit that most of our prayers are too general. Even the Lord does not know who you are praying for. Name names. You know, my grandmother named names, just name after name of her grandchildren. And so, sisters, uh, uh, Pray for the other believers. Pray for some young sisters. Pray for us. Pray for your children. Your children. Pray for others' children. Pray for uh, the second generation. Pray for their budding, the blossoming and blooming in the vineyards. Um, so I, I would not go more than that. Um, I'd like to just read this uh, from Brother Nee, huh? Brother Watchman Nee. He said, God's servants had the habit of dealing with God early in the morning. They rose up early in the morning to do many things related to God's business. They also rose up early in the morning to consecrate themselves. Although there's no commandment in the Bible that tells us to get up early, there are sufficient examples in the Bible to show us that all faithful servants of God rise up early. Even the Lord Jesus himself rose up early. He rose up very early in the morning while it was still night and went away to a deserted place to pray. When he wanted to appoint the twelve apostles, he called them to himself early in the morning. So even not just for your own so-called devotional time, but even for the care of others, there's something about rising up early to be with the Lord. Okay, I better be quick. She brings her food from afar, gives food to her household. I think this is not a difficult one. Matthew talks about 
the faithful and prudent slave whom the master has set over his household to give them food at the appointed time. Blessed is that slave whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. So the household here, just remember that the context of this worthy woman refers to the believers, just the saints, the believers, who constitute the church. So to give them food refers to ministering the word of God and Christ as the life supply to the believers in the church. So this goes back to this point that you need a certain storage of the word of God, of the Lord's ministry, so you have some food to feed people with. Some sisters, they have a heart, they have the zeal, but they have really no food to give others uh, because they don't have a storehouse of the food. And I think it's also good for the sisters to really have the habit to read the ministry. You don't need to read a lot. You know, currently it's two messages a week, am I right? In, in Northern California? And I think we're in Hebrews right now, right? So you don't need to invent your own schedule. You just follow the church's schedule. I mean, Hebrews is, is, is all I can say is wow. You know, Hebrews, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. That is one of the top life studies of Brother Lee. He has several that even he considered to be tops. One of them is the life study of Hebrews on the river crosser. So much truth and so much life in there. So, sister, just read uh, a message every few days, two messages a week. It doesn't take long. And then you store up the, the food. Uh, I said with the squirrels, just store up the nuts. Huh? Until you're full of nuts, and then you deposit in a place nobody the other squirrels don't know and then uh, 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 when winter comes you know where the nuts are then you have the nuts for yourself and the nuts for 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 others uh, sisters I would like to tell you it's a matter of deposit and storage don't trust in instant oh I need to talk to someone let me get a few verses you know no trust in storage a, reserv- a certain reservoir of truth that over time, many years, have been deposited into you, that comes in extremely handy. You know, a lot of times, I tell you, in caring for people, shepherding people, at the right moment, the Spirit leads and a word comes out from the word. But when you quote it, it's not a dead quotation. It becomes rima. And that word oftentimes is much more powerful than my own words. And that word enlightens and convicts and touches. But if I have not read that word and that word is not in me, I don't have it. I, don't, I just don't have it. I can say something very, very, with, with a lot of passion or with a lot of heart. But there's no word there. And people don't get that kind of light. So, so trusting accumulation over time. Just a little bit of reading. 
Just read. You say, oh, I didn't get that much. Don't, don't worry about it. You just read. You, you just, right? It, it's, you, you, you have the storehouse in you. Okay. And then, uh, I better be quick here. And they say she plans a vineyard. Plans a vineyard. So, uh, Song of Songs, let us rise up early for the vineyards. Let's see if the vine has budded. So, the Shulamite, you know, this, uh, this, uh, uh, us. And her beloved worked diligently, not for herself, but in the churches, vineyards, for the other believers, but blossom and bloom. I, I, I read that earlier on already. So, working in the plans of vineyard means she is what? She is with the Lord going to the vineyards, always checking on signs of life to consider, uh, where where the fruit is growing or where the things is dying and 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 eventually the affairs of the saints become her interest. Now this is not sisters to be nosy and what do you call it uh, to feed your gossip you know to want to know everything about everybody. But don't do that. This is what this is. A, a interest in her for the spiritual well-being of the brothers and sisters. It says, even the most immature believers become an object of her concern as long as he has a little sign of life and a hope of fruit-bearing. In the meeting, there's so many people, but you, the sister, your eyes are open. Uh-huh. You spot that sister there. She's kind of wobbly. She's not doing that well. Whatever. No one even cares for her. But you spot her somehow. And you pick her up. Because you see some sign of promise in this little sister. No one even knows. The elders don't even know. But you spot it. Then you begin to uh, call her up. You invite her for tea. You spend some time with her. You you work on her. And pretty soon, this sister begins to love the Lord and, and, and give herself to the Lord. And the next thing, she's uh, coming to the meetings regularly and serving. The next thing, she goes to the full-time training. The next thing, she becomes a full-timer. And I have seen this. Some kind of not so comely uh, ones eventually became the most comely ones. Let me tell you, that's not a miracle. Somebody took care of the vineyard. Somebody was paying attention to those little signs of life. Sisters, don't just come to meetings and kind of, kind of just in a general way. Keep your eyes open in the vineyard. How is that sister doing? How's that? How's that one doing? Uh, of course, to do this, you have to really be one with the Lord and one with her, the Lord's interest. Uh, okay, uh, she samples her merchandise to be sure it's good. Her lambs does not go out by by night, etc. You know those those kind of thing. It just. Uh, 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 the best way to this is verses 18 to 20 uh, uh, 
the best way to talk about this is Rebecca. You know Rebecca? Rebecca, Isaac's wife? You know how Rebecca was found? So, so uh, Isaac, right? No. Abraham. Got his uh, servant, what's his name? Eliezer. To go to this far country and go find, find a wife for, 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 for Isaac. Yeah. So, so she went and then she went to this place and there's this watering place and, and, and then this woman, this young woman that is Rebecca came firstly to fed uh, to 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 give drink to him and the servants, but she didn't stop there. She went without request. Went and get water for all the camels. Do you know that? You remember that story? No one. Eliezer didn't say, "Hey, how about my camels?" No, no, no. <laughs> she just fed. I mean, took care of the men, and then she went and drew water for camels. Now, now, sisters, it takes a lot of strength to go get water for camels. They drink a lot, you know. They have a big sack up here, so <laughs> it's it's hard work for women to draw water out of well and pour it into the trough and and get the camels to drink. Camels are smelly animals, and she did it. Now, I want to read something of Brother Lee, so this is not me. So if you don't like it, blame Brother Lee. Okay, all right. <laughs> she talks about Rebecca in this way. He said, uh, if the, after he talks about the story, he said, if the young sisters, there's a word to the young sisters, want to be under God's sovereignty, especially with respect to their marriage, they need to be kind and diligent talking about Rebecca. Any young woman who is unkind and sloppy should remain single. <laughs> okay, I didn't say that. That's Brother Lee, okay? So you, you, you talk to him, okay? When people ask you to do one thing, you must do two things for them. And the second thing should far surpass the first thing. That means camels are harder than men. You should not only give a man water to drink, but you should also draw water for his ten camels, ten of them. If you do this, you will be qualified to obtain your husband, your Isaac. This is some advice to all the young single sisters. Do you remember this in the life study of Genesis? I don't. But now it's there. It's printed. Brother Lee said this. So I'm not going to interpret it. I just read it to you. There's something about sisters being kind and diligent. There's something about that. Rather than idle and busy bodies. Okay, then her household are clothed with scarlet. Now scarlet, uh, uh, of course, is on linen. That means it, it's, it's dyed, okay? It signifies the blood of Christ shed for redemption. So... Uh, this means what? Clothing your household with scarlet is to what? Is to clothe the saints, help the saints to realize that they are sinful and they need the cleansing of the precious blood of Christ. 
you know, we need to help the saints in this, to confess, to deal with their sins, and to experience the precious blood of Christ. Um, don't, 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 don't look down on this. This is a big part of our church life. Um, we all need the scarlet. We all need the Lord's cleansing and help the saints in this matter. Now, I, do, I won't have time. You know the whole story about Rahab, another woman? You know Rahab? Uh, uh, in, in Jericho, right? Jericho. And, and she was told to uh, have this scarlet thread uh, there. And when they see this line of, uh, the, the, the line of scarlet thread in the window, uh, this, 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 the spies promise that they will what? They will leave them alone. Eventually, she did it. The whole city is decimated, destroyed. Only she had that scarlet in her window. That is a sign of the salvation of herself and her entire household. Not just her, but her whole household was saved. And she became a grandmother. She's the, she's the grandmother of Boaz. And Boaz is a grand-grand-grand-grandfather of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, so she, this person, a Canaanite woman, became a grandmother of the Lord on this line of life. And, and uh, I think here is one thing is household salvation. Uh, the scarlet is not just to save her. It's to save her whole household. Uh, sisters, I would like you to all be burdened for your whole household. Your family, your relatives, your siblings, Yeah, yeah. Uh, to clothe them with scarlet as well. Okay, uh, I better move on. Uh, uh, this household salvation is a big, big matter. Okay. You just pray. You say, no, it's not possible. Don't say that. You just start to pray for household salvation, uh, including your children. You have to claim. Don't say, well, I don't know. I'm not so sure. By faith, you claim, Lord, save my whole household, including my children. Now, your child may go through them twists and turns. I don't know. I don't know whatever. But God is sovereign in the end. We, But you pray. And the Lord must answer that prayer. Because his economy is to save not just individuals, but entire Households, you have to believe in. You have to believe in that. You have to clothe your whole household with garland. Okay, then, uh, then you have this two two things, and I'm done here. Oh, more than two things. Sorry, goodness. All right, I'll be very quick. Uh, then, then, then the next thing, his clothing is fine linen. This time with purple. Purple, you know, linen. Of course, we know it's a matter of the righteous conduct, and purple is a sign of royalty. That means. Uh, to clothe us in a way uh, to clothe the saints in a way that they would be dignified and kingly uh, in their living in, in their living that means to reign in life so you yourself have to reign in life in order to help clothe others with the same um, there 
sisters that are dignified, not by themselves being, you know, in a certain way, but there's that kind of dignity or royalty related to them uh, that comes from their experience of life. How wonderful that would be if the churches are filled with such women. Okay, uh, then next, uh, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Now I'm going to say something that will offend some of you. Get ready to be offended, okay? <laughs> just, just be ready to be offended. Not by me, but by Witness Lee. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, not Witness Lee this time. This is uh, Watchman Lee who's going to offend you. No, it's witness he's going to offend you. Okay. All right. So it says here, her husband is known in the gates. And, 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 and um, uh, what? When he sits among the elders of the land. Okay, I'm going to just read it. This verse indicates the place of a man is in the gates. The place of administration. Because the elders sit at the gates of, of a city. And not primarily at home. I think you know what I'm getting at. Okay. Many people have the concept that a husband should spend his time to be with his wife and children. For a man to remain at home with his family is a great help to them. So we're not against that. However, we must know the purpose for which we were placed on the earth by God. Before a man enlists in military service, he may consider that his purpose is to take care of his wife and children after he enlists. However, his purpose changes, and it is no longer possible for him to stay at home with his family. You know, the soldier. While a war is raging, soldiers must forsake everything else, even their own lives. Although a soldier's wife and children miss him and need him, he must put his nation before his family. In such a case, the entire family must put the nation ahead of the family. Likewise, we need to see what the purpose of our existence is. We are on earth to care first for the church, God's, God's country, our country, kingdom, and then our own family. I find in this matter to be very vital that we lost our order of priority. Family is important. Don't take me wrong. Absolutely important. I, I'm, I'm focused on family, okay? But I will tell you, there's country first, even in the world. There's something called church first. There's something called kingdom first. And I wish the young sisters would also see this. Because today is all everything equal. I, uh, I spent X hours, the wife said, on the kid. Now, husband, you have to spend X hours. So tonight you cannot go to coordination because it's your turn. I've seen that. I've seen this. Fair game, right? Fair game. As a result, the church suffers. Now, I like to get us out of the realm of fairness. I like to get us attuned to the concept of God's ordination. Let me continue. Is it truly? It is truly helpful for a man to stay home to be a husband to his wife and a father to his children. However, in himself, 
A husband is not able to make his wife spiritual and cause his children to be regenerated. At best, he can help the children to improve their behavior. The father has a role. I don't care for absentee fathers. Terrible. You know, today in certain places, there are a lot of societal problems, gangs. A lot of it's because they is a is a what do you call it? Single parent family, and usually a mother, a father missing. Without that father figure, a lot of, lot of, lot of problems. So we agree with this. There's no disagreement there. We should not think that if a man spends all his time with his family, all his children will be regenerated. In this, this were the case, there would be no need for God's selection and predestination. The Bible tells us clearly that Jacob was selected and Esau was not. We should not think that Isaac could have done something to cause both of his sons to be selected. Only God, not Isaac, can decide this. For a father and a husband to remain at home may be a help to, on the human side, but it cannot determine the salvation and spirituality of the children on the spiritual side. Whether we are not, whether or not our children will be safe and spiritual is up to God and not up to us. The New Testament does not tell us the names of the wives and children of the apostles. You cannot find it. Because all the apostles were drafted into the heavenly, divine, and spiritual military service, their home and family were secondary to them. Although we do not have the portion that the early apostles had, we are in the same position as they were and have the same purpose. To be sure, the Bible tells us that we need to care for our children and raise them in the way of the Lord. But we must also realize that we have been drafted into the heavenly military service. If for the sake of the Lord's work we sacrifice our time with our children, our sacrifice will be very small compared to what the Lord gains. Many times, this kind of sacrifice cannot be avoided. I just say this. We all must realize that the church is the primary purpose of our being on the earth and is what we're living for in this age. I'd like to give you my own short testimony. And that is, while we were starting, uh, my wife and I starting the family, that's when we started our children. I mean, uh, uh, that's when I start to serve. When we start to have children, that's when I start to serve. And it was just parallel. And immediately, because I was quote-unquote drafted, I have to just start to travel and just do that. And I still have uh, uh, sort of two years or three years with my older daughter because I was not yet drafted. But my second daughter, I didn't because when we had her, I was fully, fully into the work. Um, it was not until we went to Taipei in 1986 and 87, and eventually the, my whole family uh, sold everything and joined us in tai, Taiwan. You know, it was there that I actually get to know my second daughter. Uh, that that we we begin to have that bonding. And now this is not normal. I would say this. Is, I'm not advocating this or promoting this. So. So that's not my point. My point was there was that necessity. There was that need. And I have to take care of that need for the country. Huh? You understand what I'm saying? And as a result, I have to, there's some suffering and some sacrifice involved. 
So I like to testify two things. Number one, uh, how my wife knew that and did not complain about that and in fact let me go to serve. I mean, I'm grateful for that to this day. Number two, number two, that in the uh, subsequent years, latter years, um, uh, things were caught up, you know, made up. And so it's not like there's some huge big loss or something. Um, The Lord took care of us. That's my point. The Lord took care of us. Now, whether I was a good dad or not, that's another problem. Uh, That I cannot claim nor testify. But I can testify to my wife's uh, support, and I also can testify to God's mercy. That I can testify. And so I say this for your comfort, sisters. Today, some of your husbands are coordinators, elders, responsible brothers, and they, at a certain time, they got a call. They could not take care of the children, even if it's their night or this or that. Sisters, sisters, don't complain. Don't complain. Rather, rather. Now, I'm not, I'm not for husbands who use that as an excuse to get out of the, the house, okay? Obviously, I'm not saying that. I'm saying legitimately and by necessity. I had to travel for days and, I know, just, just like that. And so, with, if I don't have a wife that is understanding and even supportive of that, even when I travel, I don't have rest. I, I could not serve and work uh, in, in the optimal way. So, sisters, uh, I, I just want to put this into you in a, in a very, very uh, sensible way not in an extreme way. But if we have sisters like this, who let the husband sit at the gates, so to speak. And this sister is also a worthy woman. Okay, all right. She watches closely over her, the ways of her household and would not eat the bread of idleness, verse 27. So this speaks of one thing. Okay, listen to me. The main function of the sisters in the church and the family is to preserve and maintain life. That, that's put it in a very philosophical way. All right? um, in a family, it is the wife, not primarily the husband, who maintains life. That's a fact. It takes two, but it's the wife's job mainly to maintain life. If a father is not at home, the children are not affected as much as when the mother is away from home. The success of a home depends on the function of the wife and the mother. It is the same in the church life. Much of the burden of the church life is on the shoulders of the sisters. This is now not just our own household, but God's family, the church. It is the same in the church life. Much of the burden of the church life is on the shoulders of the sisters. The condition of the church depends on the sisters, just like your home. When the sisters are healthy, living, and going on, the church is healthy, living, and going on. In caring for many things in the church life, the sisters must rise up to bear the burden. In the Bible, the church is likened to a home. The church is the household, the family of God, and the household is the house of God. Okay, 
So these are the, the two terms used interchangeably. Many times God used physical things as shadows of spiritual things. A human family is a shadow, a picture of the church life. The situation in the family is a shadow of the situation in God's household. In the church, the brothers can be compared to the husband and father in the family, and the sisters can be compared to the wife and the mother. And let me finish this, because it's too wonderful. In a family, the responsibility is mainly on the side of the wife. In order to have a proper family life with a proper home life, the wife must bear the majority of the responsibility. If parents want their children to behave properly and only the father takes the responsibility to instruct the children, the result will not be satisfactory. But if the mother bears the responsibility to instruct the children in how they should behave, even if the father is not adequate in doing his part, the result may still be good. Based on my experience, I've learned that in order to have a proper church life now, the sisters must bear a particular responsibility and carry out a particular function. The brothers cannot replace the sisters' function. In order to have a proper family life, the mother is more important than the father. The principle is the same regarding the church life. I'll just leave it at that. Just leave it at that. Okay, the last thing is a woman who fears Jehovah. I will not get into this. Um, uh, Brother Lee, in the life study of Proverbs, uh, pick up all the verses on fearing God from that book of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Proverbs. Uh, and to see all the blessings of, uh, of fearing God. Um, let me see. I better, I, I better not, uh, I better stop here. Um, he, he used, he did use this term, Brother Lee said. Um, how important the fear is. L- listen to this. Listen to this. The fear of Jehovah is a fountain of life that one may turn aside from the snares of death. Better is a little with the fear of Jehovah than great treasure and turmoil with it. If we are rich in the fear of Jehovah, we will have peace. Sisters, the fear of the Lord uh, is the beginning of wisdom. Am I right? So I hope the sisters all will be God-fearing sisters. And this will result in much wealth and much peace and much riches in the church life. I'll just stop here. Okay. We have 10 minutes. Uh, You have some questions of any sort or any kind? Wow. I spoke for an hour and 50 minutes. That's not fair, right? Isn't this good? Huh? I mean, I mean, sisters, this is so healthy and, and, and so so balanced. You have any any? Uh, this is.
about sisters working full time? Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm not against sisters working full time for sure. Um, uh, you know, in today's world, of course, even many single sisters they work, and and even some mothers are, you know, they, for financial reasons and so on, they need to work. So we're not. I'm not definitely not against that, and there's no law to forbid that. Uh, what we're talking here, I would say, it's more to me a concept a proper concept according to scripture and according to God's ordination. That is in an ideal situation, in an ideal situation, uh, it is mainly man's responsibility to work and make a living. And it says by the sweat of his what? His brows that man would make a living. It is also God's ordination that uh, the woman's work is in the house to raise family and all this kind of thing. So, so I don't have a uh, word to say about that because every case is different. Your case or somebody's case are all different, and we have to handle that accordingly. Um, I can only say according to this and according to a, in a normal or more ideal situation, I think that would be the uh, uh, preferable things to do, the better things to do. That's all I can say. You know, today there are uh, in these very rich, uh, I mean, expensive places to live, like here or New York or whatever it is, um, the husband and the wife both have to work just to pay pay bills because it's this very very expensive place and they have to work so that they can hire a child care for their child now that is something I never could understand now there's special cases I, I, I know that but in general I don't understand how come a mother is working to hire someone to take care of their kids? Okay, of course, she gets paid more than just paying the, that person. So she's helping to earn a living and pay the bills and the mortgage, all that. So I, I get that. But you, you, you get my, my, my thought process here, my, my, my uh, logic here. It, it doesn't make sense. So, I have this uh, idea. And, and Jim would not like this idea, but I have to tell you this idea. And there's, why wouldn't today, you know, you, you, a lot of people work remotely. You know, you don't need to be tied to a desk and go to a building. Why wouldn't some of these couples go to the Midwest? A half or a third you know, we, we, I just came back from Chicago, and they were telling me that they're more this kind of situation. And these couples go from West Coast, East Coast, whatever, to some town in the Midwest. And here, all they could, they couldn't uh, here afford a tiny little uh, fixer upper. Over there, they bought a mansion with acreages 
uh, you can have animals on them. <laughs> and they still have left over. I said, why do they need to live in these rich, city, uh, expensive cities and do all of their things, and even the children uh, cannot be cared for, and they have to hire this and that? Why won't they go to the Midwest and have live in a mansion and take care of their own kids with their own animals? You know what I mean? <laughs> and still have a church life. And, and now the Lord is burdened very much for the Midwest. So Jim doesn't like this because I'm trying to get you out of uh, uh, Silicon Valley or San Francisco or something like that. No, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You know I'm not doing that. Uh, but, but do you see my point? Do you see my point? Um, I, I want us to think in this kind of a way. I, I hope this partially answers your question. I'm all for this. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, this is to exercise ourselves unto godliness really is to exercise our spirit. But to exercise our spirit is not just shouting, just calling, that's exercise. No. I tell you, exercise of our spirit is daily. As you are um, getting up, as you're taking care of children as you are going to work, going to school, your daily decisions, we exercise to what? To set our mind on the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to walk according to the Spirit. That's to exercise the Spirit, all right? To make decisions by the Spirit, okay? By doing that, our Spirit becomes strong, and Christ is in our Spirit the mingled spirit. And it is by this that Christ would be lived out by us. Right? And this is how that uh, uh, um, the godliness will be present. Godliness is really Christ lived out in simple terms. And these virtues in time will be, will be there as well. Okay, it's five o'clock. Thank you, sisters, for bearing with me uh, in this... Uh, warm room in the Lord's Day afternoon. I hope you got some help. Yeah. All right. Now how about we just have a two or three pray about one minute and that will take us to five o'clock and then we can go. Amen. <laughs>